Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Today, we're, we're continuing our uh, For the Culture series. This is actually part three today. And uh, For the Culture has everything to do with not just kind of hijacking a pop culture term because it sounds good as a series title, which I think it does, but at the same time, making it, making it true to who we are and for who we are as a church, uh, what we do as a church, who we are as a church, why we're here in Reno as a church, all has to do with being for the culture. We're here because God decided to bring us here and to do something that isn't just to gather people that are always like each other, but so that we can gather, gather together, get inspired, get encouraged, and then go, the Bible actually talks about being the church to the rest of our city, Monday through Saturday, and uh, pumped up on Sunday, Monday through Saturday, let's go impact our communities. And so um, I wanna also, before we get into it every week, uh, I love to talk about our dream team. Our dream team is our volunteer team of, of uh, men and women, young and old, that uh, this doesn't set up itself, it doesn't make itself happen. Many of them get here as early as even 6.30 in the morning, just about every single Sunday to, to unload a massive trailer and to set stuff up. And, and uh, even on the other side of the building, we have Convo Kids taking place right now, which I guarantee you, um, your kids, every single time, they love it. And uh, that, was, that was even kind of our strategy. Make Convo Kids amazing, because even if I screw it up, the kids will pester the parents to come back. And I think that's a great strategy. Uh, and it's been working so far. And so, uh, yeah, we just want to take a moment to just honor, again, our dream team. Uh, we, we, they're just, they volunteer their time and their hours and their sleep to, because they believe in the environment that, you, that we're creating for you and for the rest of our city as well. And so can you just clap for our dream team this morning? And um, I love all of them. I love all of them. They're incredible servants, and um, they love God, but even as importantly, they, they love people too, and that's kind of why we're doing what we're doing. So right, right after we're done today, right after we're done with the message today, uh, and we end, we end our worship experience, we have what we call engage. Engage is how you actually go from being somebody who's showing up to check out Convo Church to becoming somebody who becomes a part of Convo Church. And our goal, just I'm just gonna get it out there so you know in advance, we have a very specific goal, which is to get you on our dream team. Uh, because we believe that God has put something very unique and specific inside of you as an individual. Every person is the only, you're the only you that's ever existed and the only you that's ever going to exist. And so there is something unique and special inside of you that God's put there. And, uh, and if God is, is bringing you to be a part of a church community, then that means that what you bring is vital to who we are as a church. And so engage is a very, very simple process. Uh, for about 30 minutes after each worship experience, uh, we have four different sessions, one each week, and it just tells you who we are as a church, what we believe. Uh, it helps you discover your gifts and your talents that God's put inside of you. Uh, it talks about what our, our servant leadership culture here at Combo Church. And then today is session four, which is where you actually get to, to pick and to meet some of our team leaders and ask questions and figure out where you might ha either have a passion or an interest uh, to serve on our team and be a part of Combo Church. So that's going to be in the room directly behind us right after we're done today. Child care is provided.
provided. Uh, so all you would have to do if you do have kids upstairs, just go make sure, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in, engaged, and they're going to be like, that, cool, we got you covered. We're going to play with your kids for, about, for another half hour, however long it takes until you're done. So does that sound good? I'm going to be in there. A bunch of our team leaders will be in there. We want a chance to meet you and answer questions about some of our teams, and it's going to be awesome. Um, just continue. I know we already prayed for we prayed for the situation over in Pittsburgh. Just keep it in your thoughts and prayers. I know it's uh, it, it sometimes it's tragic to also watch how how passionate people are about it when it's hot and heavy on social media, and then three days later we don't remember what happened. Uh, meanwhile, the people that are in the midst of the tragedy are left with a lifetime impression. Uh, so just continue to keep it in your thoughts and prayers, and um, and that just needs to be the culture of who we are, not just as a church, but as as followers of Jesus, con- continually in prayer for our nation and believing that the the negative stuff that we see on media isn't the only thing that's happening. Uh, But we want to continue to lift up uh, those atmospheres so that people um, that are hurting can have some some help. Does that sound good? Okay, so we're going to, if you haven't gotten there yet, I'm going to turn. I need to get there too. I'm talking and I'm not turning to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. Today, um, this is is a fun, for me, this is a fun chapter in the Bible. Uh, If you read through the book of Daniel, which I would always highly encourage it. Uh, it is a, a, a book that is filled with accounts um, that happened either in the life of a guy named Daniel or, or through the life in proximity to what God was doing in his life. It was crazy. And uh, so we're going to read a few verses from chapter 6 to kind of lay the, the framework here. Um, uh, I'm going to kind of paraphrase some of the details because I don't want to read that much to you at one time. Uh, not because you'll get bored, but because maybe I will. And I just don't want to do that to you. Uh, so I'm going to do my best. But what we see here is we have Daniel who is uh, in, in, he's living in the kingdom of Babylon in, a, in an actual historic time period. Um, he uh, is a very powerful person in, this, in, this, in the government figure, in the structure. He's one of the highest advisors in the entire kingdom. Um, but at the same time, there's, there's a, as God's people kind of rise in favor, there are people that are not connected to that can tend to have jealousy because, you know, God's people never get jealous, right? We never deal with that. We never struggle with that ourselves. But in this situation, Daniel is about to be promoted to the most uh, powerful advisor, uh, leader in the empire next to the emperor himself. And some of the other people that are kind of his colleagues find out about it, and they, they want to find a way to get uh, Daniel shut down. They want to find dirt on Daniel. They want to find things that can bring him down so that he won't get promoted and maybe they'll get promoted. And it says that, that they began to look for areas in his life. They began to dig through his Facebook account and all of his social media posts over the last, you know, ever since he was a sophomore in high school to see if they could find something on him to like put out there so that all the news media agents would just go wild with it and then he's discredited and he can't do anything. And, uh, but it says they actually could not find any dirt on the guy. It says he was just full of integrity, full of character, and they could find nothing. So they're like, okay, what do we do? There's nothing on him. He's really done nothing wrong. How do we get this guy? Tell you what, let's go after his, his faith. Let's go after his religious beliefs because we know that he never compromises in those areas. I love how the people trying to take him down were actually complimenting him through that process. They're like, man, he's awesome. He's amazing. We can't really find anything. Uh, so let's just go after his faith because we know he's not gonna go back on what he believes and maybe we can find something there. And they did. So they actually went... Uh, to, uh, to, the, to the, the leader of the empire 
And they went to him, they said, we've got an idea, king. We think it's a great idea, just because you're such an awesome king, that you should make a rule that for 30 days, nobody can pray to anybody except to you just because you're so awesome. You know, they're really feeding the ego, right? And this guy's definitely buying into it. He's like, man, I, I think I like the sound of that. Yeah, they can pray to me because I'm the man. That's awesome. I don't know what I'm gonna do with those prayers, but they should do it. That's awesome. So they put it into place. They put it into law to the point where even after it is signed into law by the emperor himself, the law cannot be voided, period. They did that because they knew that every single day, three times a day, Daniel was in his house on his knees with a window open facing Jerusalem because he always wanted to remember where he came from and he would pray. And they knew that if they did this law, that at some point in time, they would catch Daniel not praying to the emperor, but to praying to his God. And so the emperor's like, this is a great idea. I don't see any problems with this whatsoever. Boom, it's a law. And it says, uh, it says that as, the, as they continued through those time periods, it says that Daniel heard about this. And I think that's where I wanna pick up here in verse 10. It says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, I love this, he went home, he knelt down as usual, in his upstairs room with the windows open towards Jerusalem where uh, he prayed three times a day just as he always had done, giving thanks to God. And then the officials went to Daniel's house, found him praying and asking for God's help. And so there's, you already see kind of two aspects of Daniel's prayer life. He was thanking God for what's happening, thanking God for everything he's done, and he's asking God for help. So they went straight to the king, reminded him about the law. Hey, hey, king. It's, I was, you just kind of feel like, what, are we in middle school right now? Um, hey, you know, there's time to tattletale on Daniel. So they came, they, they saw him, they found him praying. They're like, oh, we knew it. We got you. Now we're going to be able to keep you from getting that position of power. You're out and we're in. And they even kind of threw this little fine print situation in there where anyone who was caught praying to any other god except for the emperor was to be thrown into a lion's den. Fine print at the bottom. That seems significant to me. Like, hey, and if you get caught, you're going to be eaten by lions. I'm like, wow, that, that escalated quickly. So they went there like, hey, you remember that law that you just did just a couple of days ago, right? Remember how, you know, if anybody prays any other God except for you, then, uh, then they get thrown in the line and said, yes, I remember that. And they're like, well, um, that man Daniel, the one, uh, one of the captives from Judah, uh, is ignoring you and your law. Now, this is the thing you need to know about Daniel. He doesn't, he's not just a smart, powerful man that just rose to power. He didn't start that way. If you don't know Daniel 1 through 5, then you're going to have a hard time understanding the context of Daniel 6. In 1 through 5, Daniel and a, and a whole group within the nation of Israel, they, they, were, they were a conquered nation by the Babylonian Empire uh, somewhere around 600 B.C. This is documented historical fact. And, and they, uh, they, they did, it was, it was quite tragic, they, they kill most of the population. They keep the best of the population and they take them back to their kingdom and put them into slavery. And not only do they put them into slavery, they try to find the best and the brightest of those and they begin to put them into an, uh, an atmosphere to reprogram their culture, to teach them their culture, to teach them their language, to teach them their principles and how they believe, their religions, all those things. And so through this, you have guys like Daniel who are rising to the top, not compromising who they are, never forgetting where they came from, not, not forgetting the fact that, that even though I'm in a new place that's foreign to me, they're trying to make me be something that I know I wasn't created to be. I'm going to be faithful to who I am. I'm going to be faithful to what God created me to be. And even though he is adverse to that culture, it's a different culture. He's doing what he's doing for his culture, yet God still promotes him in an evil environment. It's crazy how that worked. 
So that's where we find Daniel in chapter six. He is, he is risen to a place of prominence and power and position, not because he was doing whatever it took just to survive, because he was being faithful to who God had called him to be. That's a big deal. That's a very big deal. And so we, we continue on. Uh, go down to, I'm going to go down to verse 21. Um, no, no, I don't want to go there yet because we're missing, missing the good part. Uh, because so the king finds himself in a very difficult position because the king was very, he was very close to Daniel. He was very close. He trusted him with his life. He trusted him with everything. But the, the king also knew that I, I can't go back on what these laws are because it will, it will create a situation where maybe they're going to have a coup rise up and try to get me out because I can't be trusted. And so basically the king ends up telling Daniel, listen, uh, I hope that God that you talk about that you serve and you pray to three times a day, I hope he's as good as you say he is because I don't have any choice. I have to do what this law says. And so may, may your God save you is what he ends up telling him. And says so they take Daniel, they throw him into this pit with lions, they seal the pit with a stone so that nobody can get out. They put the seal of the king on it so that no one else can come by and remove it without penalty of death. And it says that the very next day, uh, the very next day, the early morning in verse 19, it says, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. I don't think he slept very well that night. It says, when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God. You can almost see the verbiage of this king begin to transform even throughout this situation. Your God, your God. Now, now he's confessing that he is the living God. He says, uh, when he got there, he called out, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lion's? It was almost a step of faith for this guy to even try to communicate because in all reality, Daniel should be uh, no longer with us in this moment. This is not a good situation. Daniel answered, I love this, long live the king. And, and I think he, it says it's a lowercase k, so I don't think that was a pun towards God. I think he was actually, even in that moment of, of potentially feeling rejected by the king and the person that he served so faithfully, he's giving honor. Can you imagine that? Somebody just tried to kill you and your first response to them isn't revenge, it's honor. Daniel chose honor in that moment. Long live the king. He goes, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me for I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in God. And then it, the, the story turns very quickly. This would make a good movie, not appropriate for children. And it says, then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel, had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Holy shnikes, okay. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. That's, that's, that's terrible. Okay, verse 25. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the entire world. Now check this out. Talk about something taking place that brings revival to a nation. Peace and prosperity to you all. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His, he's prophesying, guys. His kingdom, his kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And check this out. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius, King Darius, and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Two different empires come and go, yet the man of God in this moment 
continues to stay in that place of God honoring him. He had every chance in the world to give up, but we're gonna talk today about something that you may be surprised to hear about this when you come in church. We're gonna talk about prayer. <laughs> and and, uh, and we've been, I've been playing this for a little while and I didn't even know that in the context of what, what happened with the tragedy in Pittsburgh and just, just uh, being reminded that there's nothing more powerful in our hands than our ability to take what we have to God. Just kind of as an introduction, um, again, as we look at trying to set the tone and the culture for who we are as a church. Um, when Jesus came on this earth and he had his earthly ministry and, and he had 12 disciples that followed him around and then there were more that followed and there's crowds on top of that. And, and, and it got to a point where Jesus told them, listen, I can't stay here forever. I need to go back to be with my father in heaven, but don't worry, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God will actually live inside of those who, who put their faith in Jesus. And he goes, and once you have my Spirit inside of you, then I want you to go to the four corners of the earth, to the uttermost parts of the earth, and I want you to spread the good news that I have taught you. And that good news is that Jesus forgives, Jesus saves, Jesus loves, Jesus has a plan for your life. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter your race, your color, your ethnicity, your economic status, uh, where you came from. None of those things are disqualifiers or qualifiers. Jesus came for the world. That's good news. That's actually the word gospel. When you hear like preach the gospel, the word gospel actually means good news. And so when you hear somebody preaching the gospel that's not good news, it's not the gospel. When there's people standing on a street corner preaching judgment, turning and burning, not the gospel. Not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus came so that none should perish. His desire is for everyone to know who he is and have a loving relationship with him. And as a matter of fact, he's so committed to that plan that he allowed his own life to be sacrificed on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and so that we could not be, have to face the penalty of our own life and our own mistakes and our own sins, but that we could live a free, grace-filled, love-filled, accepted life filled with purpose and destiny in a relationship with God. And so as a church, as a church, that's worth, I think that's worth clapping about. So when the church first started, it was so important that they do certain things to set the tone in the culture for who God had called them to be and what Jesus had told them to do. Because everyone's gonna have a mission in your life, whether it's on purpose or whether you just let life happen and things happen. Uh, but depending on the culture that you have set in your life will dictate the mission that your life lives for. And so Jesus had given them a very specific mission. And so with that mission came a culture that would have to build so that as more people came to know about Jesus and more people came to hear the good news and the gospel, that they would be able to, to fall in place and in line with what Jesus had started. And so Jesus goes back to heaven. He sends him the Holy Spirit uh, in, the, in the book of Acts in the New Testament in chapter one. It talks about how, how uh, God told him, hey, wait in Jerusalem. I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes, is gonna fill you and give you power for the purpose of being a bold witness. For us, being a bold witness means, uh, you know, in America that, uh, you know, I just have the courage just to maybe tell somebody Jesus loves them. For them, a bold witness meant if you go out and you talk about Jesus, they're not that far removed from what just happened with Jesus being arrested, crucified, buried, rose from the dead. There's conflict everywhere. There's a Roman empire that was still ruling over the nation of Israel. And there were Israelites, very many of who rejected Jesus. And there were people who were looking to kill those who continued to try to keep the message of Jesus going. So their uh, power to be a bold witness is much different in context than what we think. We're like, Jesus, I just, man, just help me to, 
Just help me not punch somebody today. I just need, I need your Holy Spirit to be a bold witness to not punch somebody today. You know, that's our context. For them, it was like, you know, Holy Spirit, I need you to be, help me be courageous so that when I go out say there's a good chance somebody's gonna kill me because I'm telling them that you love them. Uh, so help me with that today. And so it gives you a whole different context for understanding that we have actually dumbed down the power of the Holy Spirit because God doesn't want you to just tremble uh, and hopefully just tell somebody that God loves them and maybe share your testimony with them. But God actually wants to fill you with power to go out and to see sick people be healed and to see those that can't walk, they can now walk. To see people who, come on now, let's, let's go there, who, who have been dead can now actually come back to life. And it's all in God's hands. I'm not saying go out there. Let's not go storm the morgues. Let's not be weirdos, okay? But let's understand. Let's not dumb down the power of who God is and who God's created us to be as followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, in, in week one of this series, we, we talked about how uh, to have a culture, it, it, it goes back to having a foundation. So for us uh, as a church and for this early church, the foundation was, it was the message of Jesus. It was the word of God. For us is the Bible. And uh, the Bible is so foundational, it's important. We believe every word of it. We are a church that does believe that the Bible is infallible. It is the word of God from Genesis to the very end in the book of Revelation. We believe that it's God's word and we need it for our life. And so that's our foundation. So your foundation begins to build your values. People say, man, in our country, we don't have values anymore. No, we have lots of values. They don't all just point to who God is, though. They don't point to us uh, producing great, uh, great relationships and, and healthy, healthy friendships and, and morals that are not just meant to keep people from doing stuff, but morals that are in place to prepare you for what God has created you to be. And so, uh, so your foundation creates your values. Your values will help form your culture. Your culture will ultimately help you fulfill your mission. And so for us as a church, last week we talked about how Jesus is our message. That's part of our culture. That's, that's going to be in everything that we do, everything that we say Jesus is our message. But today we're going to talk about how prayer is also for the culture. Because we got to know that in our world, in our day and age, it's crazy. Amen. Can I get an amen from somebody? You don't have to turn on the news so long to be like, what the heck is happening around here? It's crazy. Uh, I, I would venture to say, because, you know, at least in America, we're not throwing people in the lion's den. I feel like it's always been crazy. But now that we have technology and media and all these things, we just get to see it, right? It's just in our face a little bit more. We see all the things that are happening around our country, around the world, and, uh, and it is a little bit crazy. But I think it's always been crazy because when there is sin in the world, there's going to be some craziness. And when there's people in the world, there's going to be sin in the world, there's going to be craziness in the world. And so that's why God continues to be faithful. But we need to be a people, listen to this, that make prayer our first priority, not our last resort. We need to make prayer our first priority, not our last resort. And even to just give us a, a brief, oversimplified tutorial of prayer, because I know we all come from different backgrounds, some religious and some not. And just really, man, what is prayer? How do I pray? Do you have a book that has the prayer so I know what to say? I just want to say that prayer is doing what we're doing right now. You don't have to be, uh, you don't have to have a Bible college degree, a seminary degree to talk to God. You don't have to be completely perfect to talk to God because that would kind of rule everybody out. Uh, you don't have to have it all figured out to talk to God. All you have to do is open up your mouth. Find a place where you can have some quiet and just, just talk to God. Just tell him how you're feeling. It's, can, you, can you just say it's okay to complain to God? So be like, well, I just want to, you know, oh, Heavenly Father and Thouest and, and uh, you are the bestest and uh, may your king, you know, we try to say, you know, we try to think of things. It's like, man, God's, I just feel like God is so much more at ease and relational than we think he is. 
And I feel like he's in a, this is how I see it. He's in a recliner. <laughs> he's chilling. He's got a remote in his hand. I don't know what he's watching. Maybe it's just, you know, flipping through the, oh, there, there's my kids. There's my kids. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Maybe, maybe it's a slideshow. I don't know. He's just looking at pictures. I don't know what he's doing. But that's, that's just how I feel about who God is. Because I feel like our human nature wants us to think that God is on the edge of heaven, just totally jacked up and swole with too much protein shakes, um, holding a giant club in his hand with rage in his face, just waiting for somebody to mess up so he can crack him. I feel like that's human nature for how we view God. And it's just not true. It's just not true. He is a loving and gracious heavenly father who so desperately, passionately desires to have an intimate relationship with you where you can come to him just as you are. And I like to say, just as jacked up as we are, because we are, but we don't have to stay that way. But here's the thing, stop trying to get your own junk fixed before you come to God. Just be real about who you are. Come and talk to God. This, if I was, if you weren't here and I'm just talking like this, this is prayer. Prayer doesn't have to be perfected. Prayer doesn't have to be saying all the right things. You can say all the right things and still successfully pray because God just wants to hear what you have to say. And here's the cool thing. God also has something that he wants to tell you. And he wants to, he wants to encourage you. He wants to let you know, number one, you're doing better than you think you are. You're gonna make it. He wants you to know that, that he is putting things into place in your life so that you can get through what you're getting through that you don't even know exist yet. He wants you to know that he's putting people in your path and people in your world right now that maybe you haven't even met yet. Maybe they're here today. Maybe you met them during the 60-second convo. And they're people that are going to be a source of strength for you. They're gonna encourage you. They're gonna inspire you. They're gonna build up your life. Whether you, whether you consider yourself a follower of Jesus or not. Did you know you can also pray to God and not fully be a Christian yet? Start somewhere. Start somewhere. I don't even know if you're real, but if you are, how many people have prayed something like that before? I have. I grew up in church my whole life. I've still prayed that prayer. There's moments of frustration. If you're real, God's like, okay, I've heard that one before. Keep coming. It's okay. I, I've, I know what to do with this. I know what to do with this. Because God wants you to know that he's real. He's not trying to hide himself from you. He doesn't want to do that at all. Daniel is an incredible example of a man that no matter how difficult the adversity in his life was, he knew where, where to take it. And he knew where to go with that. And just like Daniel, you need to know that your circumstances do not define your identity. They do not define your influence. They do not define the outcome of what you're going through either. Daniel used, listen, Daniel used what was in his hands to change what was out of his hands. There was nothing that Daniel could do about his situation, but he knew what he could do. I just, I'm just gonna pray, that's all I know. I'm just gonna go talk to God, be like, God, I don't know, how to, don't know what you're gonna do with this. This isn't looking good for me. Gosh, I'm looking out the window, here come those dudes. They're just coming to check if I'm praying. Well, we made eye contact, they saw me, okay. I'm going to the lion's den, so Jesus, whatever you're gonna do here, now would be a great chance. And, and I find it so interesting that, um, is it possible that what you're going through isn't about you? Is it possible? And you're like, well, kind of sucks if it doesn't, but listen, what if God sees some strength in you that you don't know is there? And he's like, they're gonna make it, but I need them to go through this because there's somebody over here that needs to see them come through it. There are people that maybe you won't even meet until you're in heaven that are gonna come up to you in heaven and say, I saw you go through that situation and it changed my life. It pointed me to Jesus because I saw how you handled that. And you're gonna be like, and what was your name again? <laughs> 
People are watching, whether we realize it or not. And so listen, don't think that just because there is adversity in your life, that that's a sign of the absence of God. Don't think that just because you're going through a significant, real deal, mess of a situation, that it's because you've done something so wrong that God has turned his back on you. Quite possibly, maybe, God's trying to take you through something because somebody else is gonna have their life changed by seeing you walk through it. God could have very easily said, I got this, boom, I'm boom, magically changed the words on the law. Hey, read that again. Oh, well, as it turns out, there's no lion's den involved in this situation. Daniel, you're good. No, he didn't do that. He didn't save Daniel from the lion's den. He saved him through the lion's den. And that is such a significant game changer when it comes to how we see things. A couple of different things I wanna give you today. Just three quick thoughts as we wrap this up. Uh, from Daniel's example of how we can bring transformation into our own adversity, into our own situations. Uh, this is what we do. We position ourselves. Start with positioning yourselves. You position yourself, what that means is, is to get in a posture of prayer. Get in a posture of prayer. Daniel heard the news and it says he went back to his house and did what he always did. He positioned himself before God. He got on his knees. He opened up his window towards Jerusalem. I'm not saying that's something that metaphorically we're supposed to do. But he did that because for him, he remembers where his home was. And where his home was was what influenced him to be what God created him to be. And so he positioned himself to prayer. Make prayer your first priority, not your 911 call. And don't feel guilty if you have, because we've all done it. We've absolutely, every single one of us have done, been guilty of 911 prayer life. Where it's like, oh God, <laughs> if you're real. I'm about to fall off this cliff, do something, you know. And, and the cool thing is, is that God's faithful. He's like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out with this. I'll take care of this. But what would happen in, in our own lives, how much peace could we experience through our adversity if we had the perspective that said, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you with this. Daniel positioned himself. We must position ourselves. The second thing is that we pray. Don't just position yourself, but pray. Make it a, make it a priority. Make it a discipline. Make it a habit. Make it something where if somebody comes to you with something, you're like, man, I just need to pray about that. Please don't get weird about that when it comes to, man, what, what toothpaste should I use today? Uh, I don't know, you know, natural deodorant or regular deodorant. I'm not sure. Let me pray about this. Don't be weird about that. But when it comes to the things of life, don't be afraid to pray about the things when you're, when you're making decisions. When, when stuff's coming at you from every angle, you don't know what to do, position yourself and pray. Take what is in your hand, which is prayer, give it to God, and he'll take care of what is outside of your hands. And then the very last one here, we proclaim. We proclaim, for me that means we get to have a story. We get to have a win. We get to have a testimony because here's the thing, Daniel, it doesn't tell us that Daniel knew that it was all gonna work out. It didn't say that Daniel's like, you know, they, I don't know if they put him in handcuffs, I don't know what they did. You know, going to the lion's den, it doesn't tell us that Daniel had a smile on his face, it doesn't tell us that Daniel was talking junk to the other guys and saying like, yeah, you just watch what's gonna happen. I, I, I venture to say that Daniel was terrified. He was terrified, but he trusted God. It's okay to be scared when you're going through something that you don't know how to handle. But just remember, if we can position ourselves, if we can be faithful in praying to who God is, then God's gonna give us the opportunity to proclaim. Now here's a cool thing. Daniel, after this all happened, we don't see Daniel holding a press conference. We don't see Daniel being brought to you know, the great palace and standing up before the whole kingdom and him giving a speech. What Daniel did in his situation caused somebody else to praise the name of God. 
What he did in going through his adversity created an atmosphere where other people took notice of what happened, who he was, who his God was, and then they were the ones that began to praise God's name because of what Daniel did. It reminds me of, of a verse in the book of Matthew where Jesus is telling, he's like, listen, he's talking to his disciples and <clears throat> some other people that are out there and he's encouraging them. He says, you know what? He goes, you are a city that is on a hill. Can't be hidden. If you're walking in, like for us, if we were on, on one side of Reno and we looked across and we saw Mount Rose and there was tons of houses up there, you can't miss it. If you're looking at it, you can't miss it. He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Because neither do people light a lamp and then they put it on, under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before all men so that they may see your life, see your good deeds, see your faith, see the way that you trust God, see the way that as you go through adversity, that they're watching you and they're like, man, I, I totally would have crumbled by now. They must have something in them that I don't have. It says, as you get through that, they will see that example and they will praise your God who is in heaven. Yeah, we need boldness and courage to go out and speak the name of Jesus to our culture, to our world around us, inviting our friends and our family to church and telling them our story about what God did in our lives. But even more than that, if we can, if we can have this prayer life, this culture of prayer inside of who we are as a church, it will begin to transform our circles of relationship our circles of influence, your, your family, people will begin to see it. Where you work, people will begin to notice things. And as that influence begins to spread, I'm telling you, we're gonna see things happen in our city that we could only dream of being possible. We can see revival begin to break out in our city as people so passionately begin to respond to the good news of who Jesus is, people getting saved. When that church first started in the book of Acts, uh, it says that uh, Peter, one of, the, one of the disciples, got up and, and addressed the crowd that had come to observe what they thought the craziness that was happening. And he says that as Peter preached, 3,000 people that day in that moment got saved, gave their life to Jesus, and were baptized. That's a great day at church, by the way. Why? Because they saw something happening in their lives that became attractive to them. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.